Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. When I was uh, in middle school, uh, before I met Lorena, I want to make this clear, uh, there was a girl that I liked, and uh, she was pretty, and I liked her, and I uh, uh, really wanted to be her boyfriend. And uh, I remembered I went to work for a couple of Saturdays to uh, save up some money, and then uh, when I got paid, I went to the mall, and I went into the Hello Kitty store. I don't know if that still exists. That was the thing. And I went into the Hello Kitty store and uh, I bought her a couple of things. And then the next day in school, the on Monday when we went to school, I, I sent it to her with one of her friends. And I said, would you like to be my girlfriend? Um, the stuff was sent back to me. And she said, no, thank you. And that was one of my first experiences. In love, her loss, Lorena's gain, right? A couple of years ago, uh, maybe about uh, six, seven years ago, we, my wife and I, we noticed that the young adults in our congregation didn't really have an environment where they could uh, uh, just be them and their specific needs could be met and their could be met so we said why don't we start a young adult group and and so we did and after a month nobody showed up and we had to close it and we failed again just like every couple my wife and I we have issues we have our distance we we don't cuss at each other. we haven't thrown stuff at each other yet but uh, we definitely have our issues and uh, we decided that we thought it was necessary to take counseling. So we found a counselor and we started meeting with the counselor. And I'd like to be able to tell you that things got better, but they didn't. In fact, after the sessions, we would end up fighting even more. And the reason I share these stories with you is because today we're going to start a series on failure. Because here's the news. Everyone fails. We will all fail. We have all failed in life. In fact, I, I got to confess something to you. If there is a topic that I feel competent talking about, it's this one. If there's an area that I feel like, okay, I got something to say, you know, it's in this area. You know, and we fail. We fail because we're imperfect and flawed people. We make mistakes. We don't always know what we're doing, although we think we know what we're doing. And, and here's another reason why. We're talking about failure because for most people, failure is final. Failure is one of those experiences that brings things to an end. It ends a relationship. It ends a marriage. It ends dreams. It ends careers. It ends their health. It ends their self-esteem. It ends their finances. And for many people, failure is final. Someone's like, well, I failed, so I guess that's it. And I'd like to tell you throughout this series 
that what if failure didn't have to be final? What if failure didn't have to be only a negative experience? What if failure didn't only bring pain with it? What if failure, what if failure didn't only bring a, 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 a heartache with it? But what if failure launched you forward? What if failure could make you, could help you make progress? What if failure could make you a better, stronger person? What if failure could get you to know God in a new way? What if? I'd like to tell you that for those of us that follow Jesus, for those of us that we've opened our heart for Jesus to be our Lord and friend, having Jesus in our life does not make us immune to failure. I share my stories with you because I know you got your stories and because I want you to know that although I'm a pastor and I walk with God, I still fail. And being a Christian doesn't make you immune to failure. But what it does mean is that with Jesus, failure is never final. What it does mean is failure in your life can lead to something positive. Because with Jesus, see... If you're not a church person, if you're not a Jesus person, well then sort of uh, the way people see failure is that failure is on that opposing end and success is on that end. And it's either I am a success or I am a failure. But when Jesus comes into the picture, failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of your success. Part of getting to the promised land. It's part to getting to what God has promised. So the reason we've titled this series Failing Forward is because we are going to experience failures. But with Jesus, they don't have to be the end. With Jesus, failure can actually send you forward. Failure can be a good thing. If you have your bulletin inside, there's an outline. If you pull that out, look at what Proverbs 24, 6 says. Proverbs 24, 6. The godly, who? The godly. People who love God. People who walk with God. People who live a life that is pleasing to God. The godly may what? Trip. Wait a minute. Godly people can trip? Absolutely. Godly people can fail? Absolutely. The godly may trip, but the focus is not... In failing, look at what the focus is in. The godly may trip seven times, but what? They will get up again. In fact, I'd like to argue that part of being godly is getting back up again. I'm not going to, I failed in my marriage or I failed in this relationship or I failed in that business, but I'm not staying down. I'm getting back up again. See, because with Jesus, there's two things he offers us when we fail. There's two things Jesus offers, there's, there's, but there's two things I'd like to point to. One is a second chance. And we say, but I used up my second chance. No, you never used up your second chance. When you fail and God gives you that second chance, he forgot about that first one. With Jesus, he always offers you another opportunity. And not only that, he offers you strength to get back up again. 
So you may be, you may have failed, or maybe you're saying, you know, I'm failing as a parent. I failed as a man. I'm failing in my education. I failed in my business. I failed uh, with, my, with my siblings. Uh, I'm failing in my ministry. Whatever it is, I want to tell you today that in Jesus, there's another chance and there's strength to get back up again. I want to show you a story. I want us to look at a, at a story. He had one of the uh, closest persons to Jesus and how he failed and how Jesus went about uh, uh, relating with him regarding this failure. And I am referring, obviously, to Peter. Peter was one of his 12 disciples. And, and just so you know a little bit about Peter, Peter was loud and impulsive. He was the biggest personality in the room. I was trying to think of who's like that in our church, but I didn't want to point nobody out. Right? But you know, you know, you know a Peter, right? They're just loud. Well, let's just go do it, you know, or let's just get to it. And, And Peter just had to be the biggest personality in the room. But Peter was also one of Jesus's friends and confidants. Did you know? that as loud and as impulsive as Peter was? Peter was the only disciple that tried walking on water. But Peter also failed. In fact, right there in your outline, let's read a story of how he failed. And I think this is one of his biggest failures, one of his most painful failures in Matthew 26, 31 through 35. Look at what it says. On the way... Jesus told them, and he's talking to his disciples, tonight, and I want you to notice, all, how many? What? How many is all? All. All of you will what? You're going to abandon me. You ever felt lonely? Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. Jesus was abandoned by his disciples, and at the cross, he was abandoned by the Father when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, see, Jesus read his Bible and he knew his Bible. God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be what? But after I have the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Look at Peter, look at Peter, right? Peter declared, Even if everyone else deserts you, I will never. Ever said something like that? Babe, I know other marriages are failing, but not you and me. We're meant for each other. I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there. (laughs) Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you what? Even, not only are you not going to be around me, you're going to even deny that you know me. No. And, 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 and do, you, do you see the emphasis that the scriptures make? Like, like Peter almost rebuked Jesus. Like, what you talking about, Willis? Like, no. Jesus doesn't know what he's saying, man. No, Peter insisted. Look at Peter. Even if I have to die with you. Familiar, ladies? Even if I have to 
die with you. It went from I'll die with you to now I want you to die, right? But uh, okay, let me stop there. I'm getting, I'm getting in trouble. Verse 35, no, Peter, even if I have to die with you, I never would deny you. And all the other disciples, what did they also do? They vowed the same. Jesus predicts that Peter is going to forsake him and deny him. And Peter says, no, I won't. I am willing to die with you. What's the big deal with Peter denying Jesus, by the way? To understand why it was a failure, you need to understand why it was such a big deal for Peter to deny Jesus. Well, Jesus had called Peter and 11 others to be his apostles. What is an apostle? An apostle is one who is sent with a message, message, an ambassador. Jesus had handpicked these 12 individuals so that when his work in the world was over, they could take over. They would be the ones to take the message that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God who died but resurrected on the third day so that we could be forgiven and have new life. That was the purpose of these 12 apostles, of these 12 individuals. So for Peter to deny Jesus is almost to go against the purpose of why Jesus had called him, right? And Jesus says, you're going to deny me. And that very night, if you keep reading, that very night, Jesus was arrested. And And Peter was confronted by two servant girls, two slave girls. I was reading a commentary and one, one of the, believes that they were possibly even teenager girls. Here you have Peter, who earlier is cutting. Who's me? Somebody's calling me. Stop doing that. Not now, right? If it's not Jesus, don't answer. Jesus, though, can I answer? No, I'm just playing. So these two teenager girls, they, 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 they say, hey, you were one of the ones that was with him. You were, you were with Jesus. And Peter says, no, I don't even know the man. And then the third time, he was also confronted uh, by, by some bystanders and say, this guy was with Jesus. And the Bible tells us that Peter not only denied, but he began to curse. Peter got so mad that he began to curse. And, and the Bible tells us in Matthew 26, 75, that when Peter realized what he had done because he heard the rooster, he says that he broke down and wept bitterly. Look at what it says in Matthew 26, 75. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you even know me, and he, talking about Peter, went away weeping. Have you ever wept bitterly? Failure hurts. Failure stings. Failure discourages. Failure can get you to question just about everything in your life. Failure can get your mind thinking about the worst case scenarios 
in your scenario. I will confess that I've wept many times. That I've cried many times. And if I may be honest, I tell the Lord, Lord, I'm doing this for you and the people. Why don't they get it? It's not even for me. But when we fail, we, we wept bitterly. Now, question. The fact that Peter failed, did it mean it was final? Well, Peter denied Jesus, and Jesus had called him to be an apostle, to be a messenger. But if Peter was not even willing to be identified with Jesus, would Peter even be willing to say who Jesus was? To, to be willing to stand up and say, he is the son of God. He is the Christ, the living God. Did, did it mean that the plans that God had for Peter now were over? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because after Jesus died, early on, the, on that Sunday morning, the Bible tells us that three women got ready had been buried and, and they took perfumes with them and when they got there, they, they, they were talking amongst themselves and they were saying, who's going to roll the stone over for us? But when they got there, they found that the stone had been rolled over. And they went inside the tomb and they didn't find the body of Jesus. The body of Jesus was not there. But what was there was an angel. And this angel tells the women to, to looking for, he's not dead, he's resurrected. But then the angel says something very powerful. Look at what he says in Mark 16, 7, right there in your outline. Look at what the angel says. He says, but go and tell who? His disciples. And who? Peter. Why? Why does this angel call out Peter by name? I'll tell you why. Because it wasn't over for Peter. He had failed, but God had not given up on him yet. And God knew that Peter, he knew the way he was feeling. In fact, the Bible tells us that Peter even said, I'm going fishing. In other words, I'm going back to my old lifestyle. I failed. I've disappointed our, uh, Jesus, our rabbi, and, and he's dead. It's over. I'm going back. And maybe you've said something like that. Maybe you've said, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad with my ex. Maybe it wasn't so bad in my old job. Maybe it's not such a bad idea to let them go. God, God made it so that Peter would know that he still mattered. That he had not forgotten about him. And the angel says, but go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as what he told you. Not only that, not only that, when Peter failed... Not only was Peter singled out by the angel, but did you know that Peter was the first apostle Jesus appeared to? When Jesus resurrected, he was the first of the 12 that Jesus appeared to. And not just that, 
But we read this beautiful moment, which I would encourage you to read. We read this beautiful moment where Jesus appears, and that's when Peter walks on the water, and then they finally get to the beach. And Jesus has this moment with Peter where he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And what Jesus was doing there is that he was restoring. He was giving Peter an opportunity to get that bitterness, to get the taste of failure out of his mouth and said, Peter, you denied me three times, but I will ask you three times, do you love me? And Peter replied, Lord, you know that I love you. Why? Because it wasn't over. God's plans for Peter were not over. Not only that, but in the book of Acts, we read that Peter became one of the leaders in the church of Jerusalem. And in he preached the first sermon and people came to Christ. Why? Because it wasn't over. Failure is not final. Failure does not disqualify you from the plans of God, the dreams of God for your life because Jesus offered and the strength to get back up so maybe if if you failed and you've given up and you said well you know that's a dead horse it's time to stop beating a dead horse you know I want you to know that failing doesn't have to be final and it would depend on two things for you I've told you two things Jesus offers but there's two things that you need to do. There's two things that hinge on you, that, that, that depend on you. And the first, the first, if failure is going to be something that propels you forward, and we're going to talk more about this in the coming weeks. If failure is going to be something that propels you forward, it's going to depend on two things. Number one, who Jesus is in your life. If Jesus is just this character you show up on Sundays to kind of sing a little bit too and, and hear his awesome stories, but then you go on about your life and he doesn't mean anything from Monday through Saturday. Failure will be pretty final and fatal in your life. But if Jesus becomes your living bread, if Jesus becomes the living water, if Jesus becomes your good shepherd, if Jesus becomes the door that you walk in through every day, Failure will not be final in your life and you will fail forward. That's the first thing. The second thing that hinges on you is how you view and define failure. How you view and define failure. The way you view and define failure will determine what failure does in your life. And we're going to talk about the way we should view failure. And I'll give you a secret. I'll give you a secret just because you came today. When you have a relationship with Jesus, your definition and view of failure. He'll do that. He'll do, it's not pixie dust. It's not a magical thing. But he'll do that. He'll shape. The way you view and relate to failure. Now, what I want to do today and next week, this is going to be three weeks, but today and next week, I want to talk about three things that when they happen, when we fail, that failure, instead of taking us backwards, will propel us forward. There's three things. I want to give you one today. I'll give you two next week. And then the third week, we're going to talk about the fact that God is bigger than your failures. Okay? So let's look at the first one. 
How do we fail forward? How can we? we we're all going to fail, okay? If you're a teenager girl and you're in this room, let me tell you something. Some jerk is going to part. Okay, I'm sorry. If you're a young man and you're in this room, I want to tell you that some girl is going to leave you. It's going to give you some lead way and then she's going to say no. Okay? If you're married, you already know this. You love them. You can't live with them. But there's mornings that you can't live with them. I was flying back when I went to Michigan and there was a couple beside me and they were talking and I said, where are you going? They said, we're going to California. We've been married for 40 years and uh, it's, it's our anniversary and we're, we're, we're going to go just spend some time. And, and I said, wow, 40 years, that's awesome. How'd you made it? Well, you know. We've had a lot of happy years in these 40 years. Some years she's been happy and some years I've been happy. (laughs) There you go. As long as one is happy, you can make it. I fell forward when, number one, you can fill this out in your outlines. I fell forward when failure leads me from confidence to determination. When failure leads me from confidence to determination. You want to know the number one cause of failures in your life and in my life? You want to know what it is? We overestimate our strengths. We're too confident. Oh, I could do it. I got this. And you need confidence to be successful. But we fail when we overestimate Our strengths. Peter overestimated himself. No, Lord, not me. The other 11? Yeah, I think you're right, but not me. I'm different. Have you ever said that? We're different. That's not going to happen to me. I'm a little bit smarter. I'm a little bit wiser. That's not going to happen to me. But when we overestimate our strength, we fail and listen when it comes when it comes to failure and success determination eats confidence for breakfast if you want to be successful if I can say it that way you are going to need more than confidence you are going to need determination We can start with confidence. Confidence, it's a good way to get you started. It's the motivation you need to say, all right, let's do this. But when you experience confidence will not help you much. What will help you is determination. And determination is what allows failure to not be final in our lives. Let me give you some examples. Let me give you two examples. Your career, your marriage, right? At first, everybody's confident that things are going to work out, right? In six years, I'll have my degree, and I'll be making over a hundred grand, and I'll be good, right? People are dating, and they get married, and they said, you know, we know our family's a mess. We know we got a bunch of uncles who, who don't even sleep in the same bed, but not us. We, 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 you know, we're, we're different. We were raised in America, Right? We're different. We're, we're going to love each other. We're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna die together. 
We're going to be that old and walks with a cane, but they walk holding hands. That's everybody's confidence, right? But what happens? What happens with time? You're here with reality. You're here with the reality that school is what? Hard and expensive. Now you're in debt. And you're not even sure that the career you chose is a good career and that there's going to be many options. And you realize that what you thought was going to be six years now turned into eight, ten years because you needed some breaks. And then you get married and you realize that the person you married is not the person you were dating. Anybody realize that? It's like, what happened? You used to open the door. You used to send me text messages. Now the only text message I get is, what's for dinner? It is when reality hits you. It is when reality hits you. You need determination. Because without determination... We will not overcome the failures in our lives. Did you know Jesus taught his disciples about determination? Let me give you a quick story, a quick story. Uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus had called his 12 and, and he told them that, that he gave them power and authority over the demons and to heal diseases. And then he said, go out into the villages and, and, and take the good news. You know, he sent them out. Now, you would think that if Jesus gave you power and and you and every disease is going to be healed you would feel confident that hey this is going to be a prosperous and successful campaign after all we got all we need jesus said we got all we need and jesus sent them out but in verse 5 of that passage of luke 9 jesus addresses how the disciples should handle failure I'll give you a secret that most people don't know. Just because God gave you a dream, just because God gave you the giftings, doesn't mean people are always going to respond to your giftings. And that's where most of us experience failure. You're saying, but I, I, I've been working at being a better parent. Why isn't my son responding? Well, because that's you and they are them. And Jesus, in verse 5, tells them how to address failure, how to handle failure. And look at what he says. This is so powerful. This is so liberating. And Jesus says in verse 5, right there in your outline, he says, And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you would. Leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their faith. Here's what Jesus was saying. If you go to town and they want to keep their demons and they want to stay sick, move on. Move on. Don't have a pity party. Don't, 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 don't have a misery party. Move on. Don't get stuck in your failure. Don't get stuck in they don't like me. Why don't they like me? I am so good. I am so gifted. I am so kind. I am so generous. I'm here for their good and they still reject me. Jesus says, shake the dust off your feet. Move on. Now what he was saying is have determination. Because people think, we think that if we have the right idea, we'll be successful. You need more than the right idea. You need determination. Right. 
You need to say, God called me to this. God set me as their parents. God gave me as their husband. God put me in that place. And I am going to be determined because this is what God wants me to do. I'll give you a secret. We're going to talk a little bit more about this. Success for the believer. This always starts. You ready for this? Faithfulness. For a believer, it doesn't always start with the applause of people or the recognition of people or with number or with outcome. It always starts with faithfulness. Those who prevail to the end. And we will need determination. I know what you're thinking because you're really smart people. Well, pastor, how do you know when you need to stop beating a dead horse? How do you know when the situation is done and we need to move on? How do you know? I'm going to give you a simple answer, but it's really, it it, it requires more conversation, but, but I'll give you a simple answer. Two ways to know when you need to stop beating a dead horse. And by the way, I'm not referring to your husband as a dead horse, okay? How do you know? Did somebody say, oh, jeez. I hope your husband's not next to you, whoever did that. How do you know? How do you know when enough is enough? And determination is not to keep fighting for that, but to move on. How do you know? Well, number one, when God says so. Until God says enough, stop, go, move on. Then you got to keep fighting. You got to keep fighting. There's some things that God will have us do that we are ready to move on. And God says, no, I'm not done. But it feels like I'm swimming upstream, Lord. He knows what he's doing. That's all I got to say. Second, how do you know when to stop beating a dead horse? Here's what I, and by the way, this is my pastoral advice. Okay, I want to make that clear. This is my pastoral advice. When you can honestly look at God in the face, and I'm speaking figuratively, when you can honestly look at God and say, I've done all I can, I've given everything I have, and I have nothing more to give or nothing more to do. Now, I say when you can look at God and say that. Because here's why. He knows if you really have or if you've only, well, I've showed up. I don't talk, but I've showed up. Until you can honestly say, I've exhausted all my strength. I've exhausted every possibility. I have nothing more to give. Well, then you can. I want to finish with this. We'll look at the next two next week. I want to finish by saying that if you failed, and I think we've all failed this morning in some way, I want you to know that, listen to me, this is so key. We're getting ready to finish. You experience failure. You are not a failure. Did you hear me? You experience failure, but you are not a failure. Failure does not defy you. Your divorce, your rebellious kid, your unsuccessful business 
not your identity. Those events that we experience in our life that didn't work out the way we wanted them to, those events do not defy who we are. The one event that defies who we are is what Jesus did at the cross. And what Jesus did at the cross is that he said, you are loved, you matter, you you are set free you are forgiven you new creation and that is listen we are failure is an experience just like when you get hungry right you are hungry right but that's not who you are well some of you you turn into an ugly person and you need a snicker Eat a snicker, please. Maybe your marriage would be better. I think next Sunday we'll hand out Snickers, Manolo, to all the couples. I'm joking, I'm joking. You are not failure. You are not failure. You are what Christ has done. And I want to end with this. I was praying for you this week. And by the way, I want you to know that November and December are some of the most depressing, difficult, lonely, stressful months of the year for many people and I know that there may be some of you here that while the church and others are celebrating the holidays you're struggling with loneliness you're struggling with depression you're struggling with anxiety you're 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 reminded of what you had and lost or what you never had and always wanted and I want you to know that I'm praying for you that I've been praying for you. I don't know who your name is. I don't know who specifically that is. But I know that there may be people in our church. And I want you to know this morning that if you've allowed some failure to drastically alter your life. As I was praying for you, here's what the Lord said to me. He said to read Mark 16, 7 to you. And here's what it says. We've read it already. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. And today, God calls you by name. And he says, I'm not done with you. He says, it's not over yet. You've messed up. But where you are weak, my power is made perfect. And if you would just hear my voice calling you out saying, Nestor, I'm not done. Kim, I'm not done. Manolo, I'm not done. Contessa, I'm not done. If you would hear God, and I believe the Holy Spirit is whispering your name in your heart, and you can hear God saying, I am not done with you. Whatever you may have experienced, God calls you by name, because look at what Philippians 1.6 says. I am sure that the God who began the good work in you will keep on working in you until the day Jesus Christ comes again. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love, 
In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.